This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 24th, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were with Hofstra Radio. My name is Sherry Goldman, and the years I wore Hofstra Radio was 1977 through 1979. Long time ago. Okay. Um, did you have any titles or positions at the station? I didn't. I was an engineer and I was a staff announcer, but I did not hold positions. That was then WVHC. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, do you remember any of the names of the shows uh, that you worked on? Um, I don't remember the names, but Monday night I was a staff announcer from 9 to 11 p.m. and there was jazz every night. So I do remember that Karen Rizzo was the host of that show, and I got to do all the community calendars and all of the announcements during that week, that live. And on Tuesday evenings, I engineered from, actually I remember 5 to 8 p.m., and that was mostly tape shows. I got to do Sweet Knox's polka show, and Rasa Bobelis's Italian show, and a lot of those foreign language and public affairs shows that they all, all were on tape, but I got to engineer that slot. Okay, very good. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But right now, I'd like to talk more about more present-day concerns with Hofstra Radio. And you have a new program that's on the air at WRHU. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? I do. I'm so excited. I have a show called Let's Talk PR and More. Um, and I thank John Mullen for getting me involved back again at the station. Um, but the show's called Let's Talk PR and More. It airs Monday nights at 5 o'clock on WRHU. And it's a half-hour conversation that I have with some leading person or person within the PR industry or the disciplines it touches. And we have a conversation about public relations, best practices, case studies, profiles uh, of people. And again, the disciplines it touches. So journalists, people in digital marketing, people in advertising, people in influencer marketing. And it's a great show. And then I turn it into a podcast as well. So I'm having a lot of fun with it. It started airing the beginning of June. And it's nice to be full circle back at the station. In a way, I never was at the station when I was at Hofstra. Hmm. Um, how did John convince you to do a show? What was the process of getting that together? <laughs> I had bumped into John. Our paths had crossed over the years. I am on the Dean's Advisory Board for the Herbert School. Um, and so we've known of each other. But when I went to the Talkers Conference last year, um, which was at Hofstra and has been for a few years, and I was sitting outdoors doing a client conference call. I'm in public relations. And when my call was over, I was just sitting outside and not going into the session. And John Mullen came over and we just chatted for half an hour just to get to know each other. When he became general manager of the station, and I saw that actually on LinkedIn, and I wrote, congratulations, he wrote back and said, you should have a show on the station. Mm. And I said, what would it be about? He goes, PR. I said, oh. And then two months later, we had that same conversation. And he's like, come in and talk to me. So I went and talked to him. And it was his idea. He really encouraged me to do it. He's been a phenomenal cheerleader, uh, a phenomenal kind of mentor and, and guide through the process and actually helps produce the show. Um, and I've been having a blast with it. It's actually what I think I needed. 
um, in terms of energizing me. It's really enabled me to talk to so many people in my industry who I know, but now in a different kind of forum and showcase. But it was all John Mullen's idea. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, one thing that comes through in, when people talk about John is that he's very enthusiastic, he's a great cheerleader, and he can be very focused. And he's not going to mince words and try to hem and haw about it. He sort of gets directly to it and say, I think you should do this. And he, here's why. Absolutely. To the point, great cheerleader, great motivator, great salesperson, very passionate, knowledgeable. Yep. All of the above. So I owe this all to him. And I should say I owe it to Michael Harrison because Michael had invited me, he and Heather Cohn, both of whom are alumni of this station as well. And sit on the board of the Harvard School with me um, to come to that talkers conference. So all of the Hofstra community together kind of got me involved in this right, or is good. responsible for this, I should say. So speaking of the Hofstra community, are you working with any present day students on your show? Do you have engineers or producers that work with you? I haven't because either John has been engineering it, producing it, and or Kathleen Shortis, who is, I think, the operations manager for the station. Mm -hmm. So um, right now it's, it's been both of them. I don't know if that will or will not change over time, but right now it, it's, it's been both of them. So um, you're working with the best of the best. I'm very fortunate, yes. Um, if we well, well, congratulations on the show, and and I was able to listen to uh, a little bit of a couple of the episodes, and it's it sounds great. I'm going oh, to devote you. a little bit more time to it, and I'm sure the 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 station's really uh, pleased to have you there. But let's take a little detour. So you were at HTV back in the day, and WVHC, and now you've got a show on WRHU. But your field is public relations. Was that something that you had in mind as a student, or how did you get into that field? Actually, there was no public relations when I went to school. There was not even a class in public relations when I went to school. I had no clue what it was. I had transferred into Hofstra as a sophomore. I had, did my freshman year out at Stony Brook Liberal Arts and then decided I wanted to be a communications major. I actually wanted to go into broadcast journalism. Hmm. Um, and New Hofstra had a communications school. I should say HTV was one monitor in the basement of Memorial, the cafeteria, and HTV was in the basement of Memorial Hall. So it was a different school back then. Um, but I transferred to Hofstra and pursued communications um, and gravitated towards TV. How I got into public relations, I had done my internship at I should say I did my senior year of college as off-campus education, and I worked full-time at Channel 2 News in New York, the 3 to wow. 11 on the assignment desk. I had to write theses um, to get my credits, which was then Professor Wren, who was the dean of the, the School of Comm, and the, also Poli Sci. Um, so I got my credits that way, and I loved it. And then I did some freelance around different TV stations, World News Tonight, Channel 5, that kind of thing. It was during the hiring freeze. There weren't a lot of jobs, so I freelanced a lot and was a good writer. So I went into trade journalism, and I was a trade journalist for close to four years, working on National Jeweler Magazine, Sporting Goods Business, all kinds of things like that. And one of my PR contacts, who was handling the DuPont um, account and they made 
the fabrics that went into backpacks and sneakers and all of that. Said he knew of a PR agency that was looking for someone who knew fashion and sports and was willing to teach PR. I was the fashion editor of Sporting Goods Business Magazine, and I was an absolute sports junkie. As a matter of fact, a diehard sports fan, an Islander fan, and when I engineered my shift at the radio station, the three to eight shift on Tuesday nights, if I was lucky enough, which often happened to get Islander tickets for that night, I'd be scrambling trying to get someone to take the last hour of my shift <laughs> so I can run down to the Coliseum to get in to watch the game. So that's how I got into PR and never looked back. I will say that when I worked at Channel 2 News, there were almost no people, PR people, calling the assignment desk asking pitching stories, asking about things. And now, I mean, they are so bombarded with it. So the industry has truly exploded during that time. And I do wish there were classes in marketing or PR that I could have learned then. I now teach college. So I now teach public relations on a college level also. Um, But there was nothing back then in Hofstra. What is something that you teach now, given your experience and, and what you've been through, what is something that you teach now that you think would have been really valuable to yourself as an undergrad when you were in school? Oh, so many things. I mean, I, I, I obviously, one of the things I teach is PR writing and media relations. So the value of writing, how to work with the various media, how to tell stories. It's different to tell a story when you see it visually as versus, well, what if you just hear it? as versus if you're seeing it on social media and taking it on your phone as versus long form. I wish that, I wish I had understood more about the chain of business. Um, Cause whether we're doing public relations for a corporation or a brand or a nonprofit, there really has to be beyond communications objectives that has to match business objectives. So I wish there was a better integration of all of the business and communications together, because I think that'll help everybody. Hmm. I think that that's a hard thing as an undergrad, no matter what the field is in, in communications and understanding that relationship between business. I think a lot of students go into it sort of wide-eyed and say, well, I'm going to do just this, and or I'm just going to focus on that. And you don't necessarily have a sense of, well, this is how money plays into it. And this is how relationships tie into it. And this is how structure of companies play into it. And it's a, it's a hard thing for some people to understand once they get out into the working world. So I think we can help them if we introduce it to them in a nice way while they're studying it. Because mm. whether or not they stay in communications, whether or not they go to something else, it factors into the world. So we can have the best ideals and and the best idealistic point of view but you really need to to be successful you have to figure out how to put that square peg in the round box and make it go got it got it well thank you for sharing all that if you don't mind i'd like to go back uh to your time at 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 hofstra when you when you decided to switch from stony brook to come to hofstra uh you mentioned a little bit of an understanding of a communications program but what else did you know about hofstra and whether it's the TV stuff or the radio stuff as you enter the the university? Not a heck of a lot, except that I was a Long Island girl and I was going to live at home at the beginning and it was close and it was nice and I had known of Hofstra and they had a communications school. So I really didn't know much. Um, And like I said, I transferred in as a sophomore and was embraced 
immediately. So I really felt that it was um, a good supportive environment. At that point, Dr. Gordon was the head of the communications school for my first year there. And he was just such a welcoming person, sit in his office, have a conversation. I took his mass comm course. Um, and I think both the TV station and the radio station, because I started in TV, they were always looking for new people. So come be a grip on our show. Come see how you can get involved in the radio station. There was a real sense of community that I think if you student wanted to get involved, they could. As versus when I went to Stony Brook, some of my classes had 700 kids in a class. So you oh, really gosh. felt anonymous. So I love the fact the classes were small. I love the fact that there was a sense of community and belonging. And, and you were going to get to do things and, and meet people and make relationships. And some of the relationships I've made have lasted since then. Wow. Sounds like you made a good decision by coming to Hofstra. Absolutely. Um, so I don't know if you remember exactly what it was, but how did you first find out about the radio station and what got you to the station? I'm not. I was thinking about that in advance of our talking. I think I'm going to blame it on Scott Cinnamon. <laughs> who is still a good friend to this day. Um, I, like I said, I transferred as a sophomore. Scott was a freshman. But I think we met our first day at Hofstra, and I don't remember how. But we've been good friends ever since. And he was more involved in the radio station, and I was gravitating towards PR. But he's like, come, check it out, try it. And I think he was the one who kind of got me to try things and test it out. And, and there were different opportunities. Um, I remember learning about engineering and have to go and get my FCC license, mm -hmm. which in itself was a challenge. Um, studying for that. I do remember taking the Long Island Railroad train into the city and reading the book on the way in. And I don't remember what the question was, but I remember there was one question that I learned on the book in, and that was the question I needed to pass the test. Nice. Uh, nice, right? And then I got well my lovely pink salmon license, which was hanging in the dusty, dusty basement of the little theater <laughs> where mm -hmm. the studios were. And then I wanted to be on air because I thought that would be fun. I think there was always a little anchor gene inside of me. And um, But apparently I sounded very Long Island. Can't imagine that. So I had to go to the Bruce Fredericks quote-unquote, Bruce Frederick School of Announcing. So we mm. have to go through announcing classes to be a staff announcer at the radio station. Um, going back to your conversations with Scott, I remember talking to him, and he said that I think he had a scholarship or, or a work-study program that was focused on TV, but he, he got so involved with the radio station, and he had to find a way to balance that and so on and so forth. So he was a person who had... A, a foot in both worlds and it sounded like you did and i wonder if you if you could describe what you remember of the radio station at the time because you alluded to that a little bit and what you remember of the tv facilities at the time because i think they were a little bit different in terms oh, well, of the quality and equipment yeah and i had the same grant that scott did and i scott was much better at juggling it than i would i i kind of had to give it all up um the TV station, they had one black and white studio where the intro classes were taken, which literally had, I think, a seven foot ceiling. Now, you can imagine that people are six feet tall and then you have 
studio lights hanging from it. Oh, so you can, yeah. And there was one color studio that I think had like a 10 foot ceiling and it was kind of small and you didn't get to work in the color studio until you were a senior. And that's where you did your senior projects. Um, when I first transferred into Hofstra, I was a grip, which meant pulling camera cables and things like that um, in, in the seniors production studios. Um, and that was fun. In my second year, I became executive producer of news and public affairs for HTV. HTV was Hofstra's television, um, but it literally was one monitor in the cafeteria in Memorial Hall. And the sound, I think, was always off because it was <laughs> in the cafeteria. So, but we produced some shows. I produced a weekly news class. We produced public affairs shows um, when... NASA or Cablevision now, which is, I think, Optum or Altice first started, we actually produced an entertainment show for them. So, um, and I was always the technical director pushing all the buttons and everything. So it was a great experience, um, but the universes were different. You were TV, and by the time my junior year, we had a new dean and he was really in the TV world. Um, and then the radio station, which operated very autonomously. I don't remember a lot of radio classes being offered to me. Perhaps I missed them, but I remember that being more like an extracurricular thing. I mean, Jeffrey Krause ran that. Hmm. Um, and when I got my grant to be a tech, um, a grant and aid for the communications department, which was a small scholarship, tiny amount, um, I had to spend... I think it was 10 hours a week, I teched some of the um, TV classes for the intro people, which was assisting the professors. They wanted somebody else there to help pull camera cables, um, cleaning prop rooms and things like that. And whatever you did in the radio station didn't count towards those 10 hours. Hence where eventually it was like how to divide the time. Scott was much better at that than I was, and he was probably a lot more diplomatic about it than I was. Um, I failed at all of that pretty miserably. <laughs> I don't know that that's true because I think Scott at some point said I'm I'm ditching the TV stuff and I'm and I'm going full on into radio. So let's not give Scott too much credit. He can okay. find his well, like if you want. So, um, <laughs> I think I ditched the scholarship and I went out and got myself an internship. And I worked did my whole senior year off campus education. I said I can't do this. I'm going to find myself a full time internship. And get out of this and work, and that's how I did it. <laughs> it's it seems I'm, I'm sure to people who are at uh, Hofstra these days, it, it might seem a little strange that the worlds were so walled off, and there was not a lot of interplay between radio and and TV. I know from my time there in the 1990s, it was it was very divided socially and 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 in terms of resources, and there were some efforts to bring things together in the early. Bruce Avery days, but um, yeah, it definitely sounds like it was, you're either in this world or you're in that world and it's it's hard for the two to meet. It really was hard for the two to meet. That was almost like, you know, think yourself, each person taking an arm and pulling you and, and seeing which they didn't work well together. Um, physically, they were not in the same building. Like I said, the TV studios were in the basement of Memorial Hall. The radio station was in the basement of the little theater across from campus. So they weren't really places where people were together. And it's mm -hmm. a shame because the skills are the same. Mm -hmm. You could share content. 
it would be so great for people to have worked on both more so than they did. So you gave us a picture of the TV facilities and that low ceiling and and the hot lights (laughs) and all that kind of stuff. But then people have painted a picture of the radio station under the little theater. That's not what I would call flattering. So, so you get over to the radio station and what was your impression of, of those facilities? Um, probably equally as, listen, they were bigger than any facilities I had ever seen before, Uh but they certainly were not state of the art. Right. You know, we had one, I remember one studio. So when I did my staff announcing the host and I would sit there, we both had microphones and headsets and we'd look and there'd be, you know, a glass wall where the engineer was sitting on the other side of that glass wall. When I engineered, there was two turntables and a bunch of reel-to-reel tapes and some cart machines. So it was a very rudimentary. It, it functioned just fine, but so totally different than the studios that the School of Communications has now, that the radio station has now. I just said I tape my radio show there now. The studios are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely uh, <laughs> phenomenal what has happened uh, over time. I want to go back a little bit. You mentioned uh, uh, working on your Long Island accent and, you know, guilty as charged here as well with Bruce Fredericks <laughs> and with Jeff Krause. Do you remember anything about the training uh, to get announcing cleared or engineering cleared to be on the air? I remember the training. I had to go to quite a number of classes with Bruce Frederick. I remember there being eight or ten people in the class. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it was off hours, obviously, but I went and I remember just practicing out loud. I had lunch with him a few years ago and I was like, you put me through your engine, your announcing school. <laughs> Cause I guess I said Long Island. Um, I, I'm a Long Island girl. What am I going to say? I'm sure I still break Long Island, hopefully just a little less. Um, and I do remember the first time you put my headphones on and I heard myself talk. It's a very different experience. You hear yourself, you sound different. Suddenly you modulate your voice different. Um, So that was an experience. But I remember the classes and having to go through it and thinking I was gonna fail. But eventually, I guess, I don't remember if everybody passed. I'm sure they did if I passed. (laughs) What do you remember about meeting Jeff Krause by that? time a lot of people would say he was a it was kind of an intimidating presence he was he was someone who ran the radio station and seemed very uh focused on his goals but a lot of people also said once he got to know him he was a sincerely nice guy and a great supporter and a great mentor what was your impression of jeff i never met jeff oh see that's where if you're not in the echelon of the radio station you don't meet him I worked, like I said, I was a staff announcer, 9 to 11 Monday nights, came in, met my shift, engineered once, but I was not in the quote-unquote student management of the radio station, and I never met him. I'm sure he didn't even know I existed. Wow, that's a surprise. I I figured uh, at at least in in crossing paths or someone said, well, you know, make sure you don't mess up and and make Jeff angry or anything like that. See, I don't, again, the... The station was in the basement of the little theater. And as I understand it, the station's offices were in a different building. Right. So Jeff was never in the studio. I mean, there were times when I was in the studio, whether engineering or announcing. The day I was announcing, there'd be three people there, the engineer, the host, and me. 
um, when I was engineering, it would be me. And sometimes somebody else would come through because most of the shows that I engineered were on tape. They'd leak me some reel to reel, um, you know, and push this button here, push this button here, play a cassette. I once had to engineer a poker show. I won't say live, but live with records. That was an adventure. Mm-hmm. There's really a cold end to a polka. Um, Amen. <laughs> hard to queue up and know when they're going to end. The Italian show was not much better just because I don't speak Italian. Um, But there weren't people running around the studio per se. Um, I think they were in their offices the same way I had an an HTV. We had an office in the basement of Memorial Hall, not in the studios. But I had an office and I had a desk and it was me and the head engineer. And so the, the student leaders had an office and I think the radio station probably had the same thing, but it was not where the studios were. Right. I believe they were in the upstairs part of Memorial Hall uh, in the in the back. Uh, okay. Above above the uh, the restaurant there, the the cafeteria. South. So I would oh. never. I never met Jeff. How interesting! I yeah. did not expect that answer. <laughs> I was listening to you ask the question. I'm go. He's not going to like my answer. Cause no, no. Like, I, I, I I love the answer, and that and that's and that just shows the divide. Um, I mean, again, when I was there in the 1990s, we were in the basement of Memorial Hall. The the offices were at one end of the building and the studios were at the other. And you could conceivably spend a lot of time at the station and not be in the office or or, or vice versa. But, oh, that's that's really interesting. Um, thank you for sharing that. You, you surprised me and, and in a good way. I appreciate that. And again, I, I'm glad to say if we want to transition to today, that everything is more integrated today. Yes. You know, and I think that's so important, not only for the success of WRHU and the Heat Network, but for the students mm-hmm. to, to be exposed and have interaction with, with all their professors and the leaders of all of the disciplines. Because in the real world, the disciplines are not segmented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just just the last time I was uh, at the station and and I remember when the building was new, when the radio station was new, that there was the office with the big windows and then the side offices and you could see into the on air studios and the production facilities and everybody can see each other. And so many people have told me, oh, I was doing this in Dempster, but then I ran across the radio station and said, what's this and uh, how that's it's much easier for people to get involved in multiple things. And uh, I'm really glad you made that point that now everybody interacts uh, and they can pick and choose where they want to be and things aren't quite as uh, differentiated. Absolutely. I go in and I tape my show there now on Thursdays at noon and students are walking by. They're in the now, I guess it's called the social media lab. It used to be called the news hub right across Mm -hmm. the way. Um, professors are walking by, deans, students, you could see people. People get in, engaged when they see energy. It's contagious. So the more that they can see, touch, something that looks exciting, the more out they're going to go, oh, I might want to try that, or at least I want to find out more information about that. So I think it's all positive now. Mm. Um, speaking of people helping each other getting started at the various things, you mentioned Bruce, you mentioned Scott. Who else was around at the radio station uh, when you were getting started or your time there? Oh, gosh. Um, 
let's see, Karen Rizzo, I, I don't think, that, Steve Graziano, who I know has been a guest here, mm -hmm. he was there, Jim Helfgott, who I know is the head of the Lumlier Association, um, and the people at HTV, who are some of who I know crossed over and who you've spoken to, Charlie Kadu, yeah. I was my first... My first semester, I was a grip on his show, and I said um, the junior people got to be grips and pull camera cables. It was on This End Up with Charlie and Glenn and Mark Feingold um, and all of those people who are still friends today. Scott Suzizer was around. Um, trying to think who else was around. Karen Montalbano. Karen Montalbano, who was Karen Hamble back then. She was my year. We were friends. So... George Musgrave. Yeah, I think George would have graduated by then, but I, I know that he spent a he lot of time there. at the station. Yeah, he was and... there. I think he was like his last year when I was there. So okay. our paths crossed a little bit, but now we're good friends. Oh, good. Yeah, those are some great names. Those are some great people to uh, to work with and, and to learn with. Um, did you ever feel socially comfortable at the station? You know, you were doing a lot of HTV stuff. Did you feel like you belonged at the radio station or was it just something that you were trying out? Um, yes, I felt like I belonged. I felt like I belonged better at the TV. Perhaps mm. that's because where my energy and my focus was. Okay. But I did definitely feel that um, I belonged. The people that I worked with at the radio station were always so welcoming and so friendly. And if you wanted to do more, you could. Um, so... As far as the students and the community, very, very welcoming. And that's one of the things I said that really loved about Hofstra is that in the school, whether TV or radio, you were a part of something. You just weren't coming here and taking classes at a major you're interested in. You were really part of something. And the way you got that something is it was beyond classes. You worked nights, you worked weekends, you were you know, all together. So this is where you spent every last free minute. I didn't join a sorority. I didn't do that. My free minutes outside of class, and eventually I moved back on campus, was in this community of studios. Mm -hmm. More so TV than radio, but in this community of being in the studios. So you were always busy. You were always involved in something. You were always Absolutely. learning something new. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. You know, and in TV, we're in the studios trying new shows till 12 o'clock at night. In radio, I was there till 11 o'clock one night. So you were always there. There was always a sense of there's somebody, a friendly face, there's something to do. There's a sense of community. And I mean, the nice thing is you were putting in something on that people can see, people can hear. It was tangible to the real world outside. It was fun. Hmm, that's fantastic stuff. Um, so you spend this time at HTV and at WVHC, and then you mentioned earlier, I wanted to ask uh, and go back about your, uh, was it a senior internship or were you getting paid uh, your no, senior year? It was an internship. I got full credits. I wound up being the first student they ever asked to come back for a full second semester. So I got 36 wow. credits. So in essence, I paid. <laughs> <laughs> I made Hasha. Um, and I worked a full-time job, basically slotted for an intern, much to the union's chagrin, because the union wanted it as a full-time job, and CBS wanted it as an intern shot, slot. Um, and I worked on the assignment desk, the assistant to the assignment editor from the 3 to 11 shift Monday through Friday. Um, but it was just for, for student full credit. Back then, internships didn't pay money. Right. 
you know, now more of them do, thankfully, because it's expensive. Yeah. How did you find out about that opportunity? How did that come about? I was applying like crazy. I did tons of research. I would read the backup broadcasting magazine. I wrote to every organization and said I wanted internships. I really hustled and I was lucky and I got called and it was, they said most of them were day, but this was going to be three to 11 at night, um, which meant I lived all the way out in Long Island. I had to drive into Manhattan because taking the train at midnight or one o'clock in the morning yeah. out of was not particularly safe, but I did it. Um, and it certainly took me out of the school community environment and put me in a work environment when I was young, but the experience was phenomenal. And I got to do things like interview Muhammad Ali. I interviewed wow. John Kennelly because they needed, he was, when the um, U.S. was going to boycott the Olympics, they're like, we need somebody to go ask him a question. All right, the intern will go out. And I went out with a camera crew myself, things we got to do. And I stopped him and I introduced myself. And he was the loveliest gentleman. He stopped and let me interview him. And I was an intern. I mean, the coolest things I got to do. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. One of the nice highlights. I mean, I got to interview John Connolly when he was running for president. It wound up being just me and one network reporter from NBC Network News in a hotel room. I mean, nobody else was there, and I'm sitting on the floor with a microphone asking him questions that they aired. I mean, now I don't know if they do that, but I got to do some amazing things. I really did. Wow. Um, so, so you had these amazing experiences. You, you get this career in public relations, and, and you've stayed involved uh, with Hofstra University, and, and now you have the show at WRHU. But I, I wonder if you can go back to your mindset at, at 18, 19 years old, and you're starting at Hofstra Radio uh, or Hofstra University and you're talking to Scott and you come over to the radio station. And uh, Can you remember what was going through your mind at the time? What did you expect of Hofstra Radio and, and what did you get out of the experience? I don't know what I expected. Um, I ex it was fun. It was fun. I remember even trying to get some radio jobs afterward. It was fun. I was always into broadcasting and there was just such an excitement and such an energy about it um that it was fun it, it was exhilarating it was it was the highlight you know it really really was a great thing and can i just say something about staying in touch with posture because i did lose touch and i just have to give credit where credit is due when I was um, managing a program for Glad Bags and Keep America Beautiful when I was at Ruderfin in public relations, a woman came to work with me. She had worked in Hofstra Public Relations for a couple of years. Her name is Ginny Ehrlich. Her name is now Ginny Ehrlich Greenberg. And she worked for me as an account executive for a year. And then she went back to Hofstra. She's still at Hofstra handling all the public relations for the school. And she reached out to me a few years later and said, we want you to get back involved with Hofstra come have lunch with the dean who was then carol drummond so she's the one who got me back involved with posture initially so i just want to give her that wow, credit how, how nice so all the hofstra people definitely were in a million places doing a million things but there's a real sense of if you went to hofstra there's a connectivity you can call you should reach out people are there they're good people they're willing to help 
That is fantastic, and 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 thank you for for mentioning uh, how you got back involved, and and now you've got a show on the air, and you've got your own program, and it's amazing how these yeah. continuities uh, uh, work out over time. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your stories. Um, I know I had to to twist your arm a little bit to get you here, but <laughs> I'm so glad, and and I really appreciate your stories, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thanks for having me, Brian. Thanks for your patience and keeping reaching out and trying. And I'm glad I did it. Thank you.